Welcome to Valley Lights Church Online. I'm glad that you're here joining us today. Uh, today's fun time for us in our live gathering because we're in a brand new space uh, where we normally meet on Sunday mornings as a church. It, for the first three months has been Chesborough Park. Now we're at the Embassy Suites in Valencia. And at the time of this recording, I don't know how it's going, <laughs> how it's going to go. But you know what? The, the thing is that we're praising God for is his faithfulness. And um, it was actually a bit of a stressful time figuring out where we're going to meet during COVID. And then when we couldn't meet in the park, where we're going to go next. And so much of this journey that we've been on starting a church has been, has been a lot of faith required. My faith has deepened a lot. Back when I first sensed that God was calling us to start a new church, I was, I was hesitant and unsure, and I thought, I just, I don't know what that will look like. I, the, the road ahead looks foggy and dark and obscured, and I can't see what that would look like I, before I wanted to go ahead and commit to following through on, on planting a church. And when one of the verses that God used to call me was 2 Corinthians 5, 7, where it says, we live by faith, not by sight. And in that moment, a few years ago, I felt like I was saying, you can't see it. You can't see the road ahead. If you could see it, then it wouldn't be faith. And that is something that he very much wants to grow in us. And so this has been a faith journey for us, even to when we're needing a new place to gather on Sunday mornings. And it's not until about a week ahead that I know <laughs> where we're going to be gathering. And so praise God. He keeps providing. So much of this journey has been, it felt like I'm putting my foot out and I can't see where I'm going to step <laughs> until we get there and God provides. And so I'm very, I'm very grateful. I wanted to start today off with a prayer of thanks uh, for, for God's provision. So pray with me. Father, thank you for this morning and chance to gather in this virtual and remote way and the technology that allows us to do that. And we praise you for your faithfulness to us um, individually and as a church. And ultimately, the, the church that's being built is it's a part of your kingdom advance, which you are moving forward. Your kingdom is not in retreat. It is advancing. And we just thank you for giving us a part in that. Um, thank you for providing Embassy Suites. Thank you for providing this online format as well. And I just pray that um, this time and the time in the, in the hotel would be dedicated to you, that would use these spaces to bring honor to your name and help people draw close to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks again for joining us online today. Would you consider yourself an anxious person? When concerns and worries arise, how do you handle it? I mean, at, this, at your stage in life right now, would you say that you've got more or less things to be worried about than you did a few years ago? For me, I'm, I, I'd probably say more. I mean, at my current stage of life, I, we're parenting. We've got some kids, you know, four kids, nine and under, and it's, it's exhausting, very rewarding, but exhausting work. A lot of pressure there where I'm at career-wise, and it's very tied up in how this church is doing. And just all of the things going on in the world around us. All, all of these things in my stage in life, I, I feel a great deal of pressure. And I feel like there's more to be worried about for me than there was a couple years ago. And I don't always handle my anxiety like a pro. There was a couple of years ago, we were going on a camping trip with some friends. We had a, I actually was leading this group of people from church to go on a camping trip. And we went to Joshua Tree, which is a national park. It's a beautiful desert kind of uh, scape to go to. And we picked the part of the park that has first come, first serve campsites. So 
as long as you get there before anybody else, you can have the campsite. And I don't know why I do this to myself, but that really stresses me out. <laughs> and so uh, we're driving, you know, from Riverside, two hours into the desert, and it's a two hour drive of anxiety for me. I'm just stressed out because as the leader of this group and we needed a bunch of campsites, I'm depending and praying <laughs> that, that nobody, you know, takes the sites that we need. And so we get there and I'm, I'm normally a pretty level-headed guy. I, I think that I'm normally keep my cool, but um, you know, I was anxious about that. And so finally we get there, we grab a couple great sites and there's one more that I need and someone else is scoping out the sites as well. And so I could see the way they were looking. And so I just, I threw the car in park, threw a tent on the ground and put a piece of paper in the post to uh, mark, this is our spot. And I'm not sure it was the most Christian thing to do. <laughs> oh man, I, 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 the way I was acting, my thoughts were, I need to push to make this happen, even if I have to run somebody over, even if uh, I have to push a stranger out of the way. I, because, you know, and I felt justified. I'm the leader of this group, and I got to make sure this is a good experience for everybody. What wasn't going through my mind is, I trust God to provide as long as I keep on the right path and in balance with the way that I treat people. And what I realized, you know, what I have realized since then is that my anxiety can spill out and affect other people in a negative way. And I suppose that you and I each have different things that would cause us stress and anxiety and worry. There's a lot of things that threaten our sense of joy and peace and stability in life. One example is big decisions for the future. And I, I had mentioned last week that I, I, for most of my life, I tend to put off big decisions because it's stressful and I'm just so worried about making the wrong choice and I just want to make sure I know all the options and I'm worried I'm not going to make the right best choice and that can cause anxiety. Another thing is health problems and problems with our body. I mean, when my body breaks down, one of the thoughts is, man, is this pain or this problem, is this, am I going to have to deal with this the rest of my life? Or what if it gets worse? Or what if I get more problems that are just not solvable? That, that can cause some anxiety as well. Another thing is conflict in relationships. Conflict gets us worked up. And it could be when you're in the middle of it. It could be when you're anticipating going to have a rough interaction with somebody. That can cause anxiety. Or you already did and now you're, you're rehearsing it and you're replaying it in your mind. And it can cause a lot of anxiety too. Or in relationships when we see people making choices that are not good. And that you know, man, they're headed for a cliff. This is, and if it's people we love... Whew, that can be hard. That can be. That can cause so much worry, and add a layer of stress. Cultural conflict and things going on in the world around us, politically or in our country, those that that can stir up all kinds of worry. Um, I don't know if you've watched the news at all this year, or if you've. I mean, has anything that you've seen happening in our world over the past year has it freaked you out at all? Um, are, are you glad about everything that's coming out? Or parents? You know, you, you who are parents, how do you feel about raising kids in the world that we live in right now? Um, or, or there could be people that oppose us and that go against the way we want to live or the way we think is right to live. And that, that can cause anxiety as well. Um, discouraging turn of events, financial problems, loss. And then another thing is death. Death is perhaps the most common and universal worry experienced by mankind. With all things COVID-related, 
fear of death seems to have been swirled even more into the cultural psyche and the way people are, are seeing life. So which of these things tend to set a hook in you and then start yanking you around and yanking your emotions around? What, what worries or concerns get your heart pumping and get you worked up and stressed? Worry is a common experience and we tend to have strategies for dealing with it. Um, I mean, probably the most common thing to do is just non-stop stewing. Just, you just stew on it like, like a, a stew on the stove that's just gurgling and bubbling and just is sitting there. You can't stop thinking about it. The thing that's got you worried when you get in the car and you start driving by yourself, it comes to mind, or when you're going to bed at night. When you wake up, it's the first thing on your mind. Any spare moment, that, that's, that's very common. Or our perpetual intake of the news is another way. I mean, if it's, if it's problems in society or in the country that are causing anxiety, then it's like we, we become like addicts. <laughs> I gotta go back for another hit. I gotta, I gotta see what the news says today or the Instagram or the feed or whatever it is and find out who said what and who responded to what they said and what's being, what's being decided for me. Uh, it, and we think this constant going back to the news is gonna help us in some way. Another thing is to research. And we think, you know what, I'm, I'm anxious about this thing. I'm, I'm gonna do something about it. I'm gonna take action and I'm gonna research. <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend my time. My time is gonna get eaten up. This just this is eats up our time. We search for answers and all of a sudden, which a lot of times it's on the internet. And the internet has a funny way of making you feel somewhere around like 80% confident about something. Never fully sure. Or another way to respond to anxiety is to dull our feelings through drugs and alcohol or by taking a vacation or going on a trip or I, I just got to leave this state. Do any of these solutions solve the problem? What's the result of all this worry that we can get stuck in? Well, it's kind of like being in a rocking chair. You, the worry makes you go back and forth and back and forth and you get nowhere. You haven't changed your position. You haven't made any progress. Other things that happen is stress that, that could lead to more health problems. It could be lead to panic, panic attacks or depression. Or another result of worry is that we can get pushy and start damaging our relationships or just getting uh, contentious with people like I, like I did in my anxiety in the campsite. That's the way that I went. Many people deal with worry. Not everyone knows what to do with it. In each of the categories that I just mentioned above, the different ways and things that we get worried about, Paul lists out in his letter to the Philippians. Paul was a guy who lived many years ago. He started churches after Jesus walked the earth, and he wrote a letter to uh, a church that was started in Philippi, an ancient town, and we have that letter in the Bible now. And he wrote about conflict with people in this letter. He, he wrote about conflict with people that were opposing them. He wrote about our bodies. We have this, this rough condition with our bodies. He, he wrote about discouraging events. He was imprisoned and even death because he was, he was facing execution. And after mentioning each of these categories, he points us to joy. And someone might have said to this guy, listen, Paul, this is not a time to be joyful. I mean, what's wrong with you? These, these are really big problems that we're facing. It's true that we often face anxieties that are big. We can see events unfolding around us that are problematic on a large scale. But that just means we need to find a source of peace that is bigger than all of it. Joy and worry, I've realized, are incompatible. 
You know, I, I realize much of my life right now, there's a lot of exciting things happening in my family and in church life, and, and I, it's, it's really exciting, but a lot of it makes me pretty worried, and, it, and I can't have both at the same time. Usually the worry starts choking out the joy, but when I do remember to trust God and, and to do what we're about to read today, that my, my joy can increase, and I can start enjoying the adventure that we're on, that God has put us on. This really is a big focus of the letter to the Philippians. And so we've been walking through this letter uh, over the past few weeks, different chapters of it, and we've called this message series The Bright Side. And so uh, how do you look at the bright side on life and really learn, learn to live with joy and hope amid any circumstance? So Paul, the man who found enduring joy in the darkest of situations, look at what he says in the fourth chapter of this letter. It's profound, and yet it might seem very simple. In chapter 4, starting in verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. We're going to read further about what he says, but let me capture a theme idea. It's really this idea that joy grows out of walking with God. Joy grows out of walking with God. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord and put that on repeat. He says, I'll say it again. I'll keep on saying it. And if I see you guys sometime soon, I, when I see you, I'm going to say this all over again. Rejoice. And you're going to need to keep on saying it because the tough times are going to roll in. What does it mean to rejoice in the Lord? Well, it's not rejoicing in being healthy. It's not rejoicing in things going well. The normal circumstances that we normally try to get joy from change. So I'll reference the words of Jesus to paint the picture a little bit more clearly. Jesus said in Luke 10, 19-20, Look, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over the power of the enemy. He's talking to his disciples. He said, Nothing at all will harm you. However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He's, he's saying that basically don't, don't rejoice in ministry success and even defeating Satan, things in life going well. I mean, we can definitely... Uh, be joyful when, when we are experiencing success, but that's not a big enough source for our joy. Because after the highs, you might be cruising for some lows. So Jesus says to rejoice not in all that stuff going well. Rejoice knowing that our names are written in heaven. Paul mentions this also, and actually just before um, this part in Philippians where he says, he talks about his friends, his co-laborers, whose names are written in the book of life. And so, we can rejoice if our names are written in the book of life. And this means, basically, if, if you've decided to follow Jesus, then you've got a pretty big, pretty eternal reason for joy that nothing can rob you of. Your name is written in the book of life, which means you have eternal life. And that, that's for those of us that have established Jesus as the ruling king in every area of life. That's what it means to rejoice in the Lord. That's what we rejoice in. And that's why we can do it always. The second reason we can rejoice and keep on doing that over and over again is because the Lord is near. We rejoice because the Lord is near. Um, other translations write this out, the Lord is at hand. But this phrase reminds us that God is the creator and the sustainer of the universe. And he's got a plan to return and set the record straight. All of the wrongs that have been committed will be set right. He'll, re he'll repay all the wrongdoing and, and, and com bring complete justice 
back to the universe. And Jesus even said about this that he says, in the same way, when you see those, all these things, recognize that he is near at the door. Talking about the Lord being near. It may feel like he's far away, that, that God is just sort of disconnected from everyday life and reality. But he's just on the other side of the door. We don't know when he'll return, but, but when it happens, he, he'll break through. He will just smash through the door. It'll be sudden and impossible to resist. Because he's near at hand, that means we don't have to be anxious about how things are going to turn out. He sits on the throne now, and he will rule in perfect goodness and justice. I mentioned earlier that anxiety sometimes leads to us being pushy and damaging. If you're anxious and things are out of control, we try to control circumstances and people. Paul recognized this too, which is why early in verse 5 he says, Let your graciousness be known to everyone. That word could also mean gentleness. If the Lord is near, if he's on the other side of the door, we don't have to right the wrongs that are done to us. We don't have to get worked up, defend ourselves, self-vindicate. We don't, we don't need to be demanding or pushy. We can be gentle and relaxed with people, even opponents, because God is at the door. He's going to break in suddenly and make things right in his time. I think it's interesting that Moving away from worry is one way we can improve our relationships. Worry, it, it just moves us toward being prickly with people. But walking in the joy that God provides allows us to be gracious and gentle. All, because ultimately we're trusting in Him. We can experience a much smoother ride when relating to people in this way. I wanted you to hear from my wife, Erin, and she's, she's got uh, a few ways that she's uh, battled and experienced worry, and so uh, I wanted you to take a few minutes to hear from her. Well, my family and I recently went on a hike to Pico Canyon, and if you've never been there, it's beautiful. So it's this beautiful day, you know, the weather was cool, we're out on this family hike, and you know, we don't move quickly these days because we have four kids, nine and under, but we finally make it to the top. It's this breathtaking view of Santa Clarita, and I couldn't even enjoy it because I was so concerned about losing our youngest, Timothy, off the side of the cliff, and I just couldn't think straight. I act, even when I was up there, I remember thinking to myself, the level of concern I'm experiencing is not on par with the actual level of threat, but I just really was having a hard time keeping a grip on how I was feeling. And so I found myself, you know, wanting to keep an iron grip on Timothy's hand and wanting to, um, you know, just manage all the kids and make sure I knew where they all were. And, and really, it, before I knew it, I was, I was being harsh. I wasn't enjoying myself. And I, in fact, finally just was like, can we just get off the top of this thing so we can get down? And as we were hiking down and in the days after, I was reflecting back on this experience and I realized rather than managing my feelings and my anxiety and my fears, I just started trying to manage the people in the circumstances and trying to control what was happening. And it's as if God was really prompting me to consider, you know, are you gonna, are you gonna continue on this? Are you, are you really gonna try to manage the people in the circumstances? Because, you know, right now my son is two, but at 22 or 42, are you still gonna try to be managing this? And I realized that um, I had really stepped out of bounds 
and was really struggling to trust the Lord, the truth is he is in control of my circumstances and he can be trusted to do us good. My son's not going to fall off the side of the mountain unless it passes through God's hand. And yes, I want to be wise and prudent, but I don't want to miss out on the joy of life just because I'm so clouded and um, just focused on all the possibilities of damage and harm that could come. And I've experienced relating with people over the years that have really allowed anxiety or fear or a de desire to control to really affect how they relate to people. I've been on the other side of that and it's not fun. And so I've really felt challenged in these last weeks and months to really start um, consciously choosing a different path when I feel the anxiety and the weight of that starting to well up in me rather than just going to the easy thing, which is to try to manage the people or the circumstances. Instead, to really go to the Lord and ask Him for help and help and ask Him to um, choose a different response. That's a very practical example of how this looks in everyday life, how we wrestle with anxiety. God doesn't want us to be anxious and worried. It doesn't solve problems. It usually just causes more problems. So if we're going to actually deal with it, what do you do? What is the thing that we actually do? Practically, what does it look like? In the next verse, Paul gives us the action step. He says in verse 6, Don't worry about anything, but in everything, meaning in all, all kinds of situations and circumstances, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Well, we see that the pathway to peace is, is going vertical. The pathway to peace is to go vertical. When confronted with worry, where do we turn? Instead of cycling through worry, we can let our requests be known to God. And the way that we do that is through prayer. Prayer is the general category that's mentioned here, but it gets more specific with the word petition. To petition is when we make a request for something that we want. God doesn't need to be informed about our requests. Uh, he already knows what we want, but he does want that we come to him and express that to him. He wants to be asked he wants to be involved in the solution. Actually, he wants us to involve him in our lives. And I want to point out an interesting distinction in this passage that's it's fascinating. On the one hand, it says, we're told to let our requests be known to God. And on the other, let our graciousness be known to people. Which is what we read a few minutes ago. So when, you're, when, when we're worried and worked up, it's natural to complain or to vent become difficult and stressed out and contentious. When anxious, we, the way we treat people needs to be different than the way that we talk to God. It is far better if we let our cries for help be known to Him, that we let our anxieties burden Him, not others, and let our gentleness be known to people, that others experience our calm and our kindness. How much better if the people around us experience our gentleness if you've ever been stressed and anxious before, you know that you're not going to nail this perfectly. We don't, we, we, because we wrestle through tough things. There, there's some really difficult things that happen. And I don't believe that the goal is to put on a fake smile and do that while you're freaking out inside. <laughs> in fact, you might need to let people in to help you. Going vertical doesn't mean that we have to box people out. It just means that we don't go to others either to complain or to control. I often ask others to help me out, help, pray for me, help me pray when I'm anxious, to help me orient vertically 
While I'm working hard to go to God, I can maintain gentleness towards other people. The other thing that we read about this specific kind of prayer mentioned is that we're to pray with an attitude of thankfulness. As we're making our requests and petitions, casting our anxieties on God, throwing our concern before Him, there is a certain tone that is especially effective. The tone is, we have this this mental attitude where we think, God is good. I am so glad that He is good. And I am undeserving. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve His goodness. This is an attitude of thankfulness. This is a demeanor that that brings God's blessing and removes anxiety. It's when we say, "I, I trust Him. I trust that God will not rip me off or abandon me. Despite all my waywardness and the times that I go off track and I sin, He still does me good. How do you battle anxiety effectively? This is how you do it. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And somebody might say, prayer, is this solution big enough for my massive problems? I've got some big life problems. Or praying is just a way to ignore your problems and bury your head in the sand. This specific kind of prayer that Paul mentions that he's talking about, it's counterintuitive. This is not what comes naturally. It's not what we normally do when we're worried, which is, which is why he had to write it in the first place. <laughs> not only does this approach help us deal with the emotions that get kicked up and stirred up, that, that just yanks us around, but this approach helps us stay focused on the truly important things. It's easy to get caught swirling in the problems, to get stuck stewing, and before you know it, you've just burned up precious time. When we direct our thoughts and emotions in the right way, there is so much good that we can do. Think about the good that God can do through you if you're not yanked around by anxiety, and, uh, but focusing your time and your energy. I want you to hear one more uh, time from my wife, Erin, about um, additional ways that she's experienced this, this dynamic at play. I've never really thought of myself as an anxious person, but the, a lot of the uncertainty of this last year has really awoken a lot more things to be concerned about. And um, I don't know about you, but I just feel like I'm constantly hearing things from people or the news or on social media that kind of initially don't arouse a lot of fear, but just a lot of questions like, huh, I wonder what's true about that. Or I wonder what, you know, what, what I should do about this. And so, you know, the natural thing is to turn to Google and just start looking up things on the internet. Um, I don't know if you've ever done that before, but uh, for me, that has generally not been a good strategy. I found that um, usually I will do this late at night once my kids are in bed and my, my wheels are turning, you know, I, I'm looking up stuff on the internet and one question leads to five more and then there's 18 other things to be concerned about. And I just, you know, I go to bed just kind of unsettled. You know, at some point it gets late enough or I get tired enough, put the phone down. And uh, recently, had that experience, I went to bed, got way less sleep because I was up looking up stuff online, it just way down the rabbit trail. And I woke up with this, you know, quest, question in my mind. So rather than pick up my Bible, which is what I generally try to do, I grabbed my phone and I looked up things and I'm, you know, Googling other things and pretty soon almost my entire morning is gone. And I haven't 
gone on my walk like I normally do to pray and, and think through the day and I haven't read my Bible and I'm just launched into this day of taking care of my kids and trying to clean the house but there's this fog of like concern and, and all these things just marinating and swirling in my mind and if anything the fears are multiplying um, and so the result is that I just, you know, I, I have a hard time being motivated to do my normal everyday stuff because the world's about to end and my kids are needing my attention, but I'm, I'm frustrated and harsh because they're disrupting my thoughts and I'm concerned about what, you know, the future holds and it really makes it hard to focus on what's right in front of me when I'm, I'm just muddled and concerned about what's down the road. And so it's just been a real opportunity to, to really think through what I am immersing myself in and filling my mind with. I do think it's good to get information and, and you know, we do have decisions to make and we do have a need to figure out what to do moving forward. But um, Google has never settled my anxiety or my concern. It's never really even given me a clear answer. I feel like you always kind of walk away from a Google search 80% sure about what you think is true, which really doesn't help you. A whole lot and so um, I found that it's just been so important to get into the word because at the end of the day you know Google doesn't solve things but the truth is for for any of these concerns any of these fears I really can trust God that he will give me the wisdom I need moving forward and that he will be there in the trenches whatever the future brings and um, that he will lead us and guide us and help us with whatever comes our way. And that settles the concern far more than any of these other Google search results. So that's just another thing I've been learning. This is another way that we experience anxiety. And that thought, you know, that maybe someone, I mentioned someone might have earlier that maybe a, an argument against this approach to dealing with worry, um, you know, saying that prayer is an ineffective waste of time. It presupposes that God never answers. But actually, God does come through. He doesn't grant every single request in the way that we ask for it. And honestly, I'm thankful for that. We sometimes don't know what's best for us. But God is responsive. He does act and he begins to move things for our ultimate good. One immediate way that he responds is to give us peace. Paul follows up in verse 7 by saying, and the peace of God, if we pray in this way, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer and petition with thanksgiving can provide greater peace that goes beyond what we can figure out on our own. When he says it, it surpasses all understanding, he's talking about thoughts and a way of thinking about things. We, we try to compute and figure out, I, I need to fix my financial problem. I need to find a way to fix my relationship or that problem that's coming up tomorrow. Part of the reason we get so anxious is because we're dealing with problems that I can't figure out. I can't solve right now. I mean, what happens when you hit a wall and you don't know what to do? God has possibilities that I cannot find by my own mind working. When it says his peace will guard our hearts and our minds, that's a military term. This, this idea, this, this peace of God will guard us. Like a heavily armed military marching around our heart and our mind, it protects us from attack of, or intrusion from fear or alarm. This peace from God also protects us from wandering off into solutions that are going to bring us pain. 
When anxious, the unprotected mind goes in a direction it should not go. We start thinking things we shouldn't think. Well, maybe, maybe I'll cut corners or I'll steal or I'll lie in order to solve my problem. Even people who are suicidal are, are driven to solve their problem in their own way. The unprotected mind says, I'm going to solve my anxieties my way. And it often leads to sorrow and joylessness. When Paul writes about the peace of God, what is that exactly? Well, first, it's a peace that comes from God. It's a gift from him that settles us down. He gives this gift because he doesn't want us to be worried. And anyway, I think worry makes God look bad. <laughs> if, if I'm worried, I'm saying to everybody else, he's not in control. He doesn't have this figured out. He can't, well, maybe he can, but he, he, he's not paying attention or he can't be trusted to help me out. He's unaware. But that's not true. Anxiety, when you put it in this proper place. Also, it's peace from God. It's the peace of God. When Jesus walked the earth, he lived with this same kind of peace. So we're talking about the same peace that the Father and the Son share. We get in on that. Jesus himself told his disciples, My peace I give you. Worry consumes our minds and our emotions. It can easily become the thing that we meditate on. So often we wake up and immediately start stewing on the wrong things, contemplating, rehearsing over and over again, cycling through, and then the day starts unhinged. This will eat us up. But if we meditate on the right things, we will flourish. We can do really well in life. David, one of the uh, old kings in Israel, he writes about where our joy and delight can truly come from. For the one who walks with God, he says in Psalm 1, Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. People who walk with God, he, he's like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bear its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. If we meditate on God and his word, bringing our requests to him with thanksgiving, the whole world could tear apart at the seams. And yet we could be well-rooted and sustained like a flourishing tree by the water. Even if all kinds of trouble are coming against me. Because ultimately my joy and peace is not contingent on my circumstances, but on God's dependability. For those who walk with God and have submitted to Jesus, our ultimate hope rests in him alone. Let's pray together. Father, you are truly good and dependable and you've given us a way to deal with anxiety you knew that we for generations of people over and over again we would just get this would be such a common thing that we'd fall into and you've provided the solution for us help us to see the anxiety stirring up and know the way to respond and to really put this into practice and i, I pray lord i thank you for that peace that you give us um, and i thank you also for the way that you're uh, bringing our church into the next stage of growth and pray that you continue to bring blessing and people. And would you use us, Lord? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you again for joining us, and I will see you next time.